everybody. Welcome to the Be There in 5 podcast. Well, welcome to the bonus edition of the Be There in 5 podcast. I'm trying something new this week. It was a decent week on TV. I got caught up on my shows and I wanted to talk about them separately from the regular podcast. Now, I don't, it's tricky because I don't want to clutter my, uh, my feed, but I also, if you don't watch these shows, I don't want it to deter you from listening to other episodes because sometimes uh, episodes that appear overly topical, Cough, Tall, Dark, and Hanson, or the Californian Dreams one, I think that's called something about new construction. Those are my two favorite episodes, but I think people thought they were about just Hanson or just about like TNBC on Saturday mornings. And like, yeah, I rap the City Guys theme song and talk about, you know, hang time being inferior to California Dreams and Save the Bell. And then I sing the praises of Peter Engel. I, I really kept it short, though. I didn't even go to Save by the Bell, the new class. I didn't even talk about the resort era. I really kept it cool. So if, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, it's actually one of my favorites. Um, it's where I talk about, too, how like everyone on Facebook, all of my friends have like FU new construction money all of a sudden. And I'm just like, you know, poking cubes out of an ice tray still. And I, I just don't even. <laughs> it's very hard to gauge where you are, you know, at, at, at my ripe age of 30. Um, anyway, so this week I wanted to talk about Real Housewives, Southern Charm, and 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After, because those are the three that I thought were good this week that I liked and that I watched in full. Half the time I am like half on my phone, half watching. Things don't really hold my attention. But I, uh, I these these three were, well, actually, no. I'm actually talking about Real I was going to say these three were good this week, but I'm actually talking about Real Houses of New York because I thought it was supposed to be good and it actually wasn't. And also, if you're new here, typically every week I try to play uh, an opening song that is either like on theme or helps me with my tangents. I, uh, I like to start at a song and see where I can go from there, but this, and then like try to end it with something semi-relevant too. It's like my own fun way of being like DJ James Kennedy, except I'm DJ Kate Kennedy. And also DJ James Kennedy is really confusing because Kennedy's my actual last name. And it's not his actual last name. And I have so many James Kennedys in my family, in my life. And it's a little bit frustrating. I wish he'd go by his real name, which is James Georgiou. It's like G-E-O-R-G-I-O-U. And that's a probably terrible pronunciation, like Obon Payne, but <laughs> Georgiou. Is that French? I don't know. It's a nice name. I don't see why I needed to adopt Kennedy. It's, it's kind of frustrating for us real Kennedys out there. Except, eh, actually, I like my name because it's alliterated, but having like a, the last name of a Famous family is tough because every day, every cash register, every Postmates delivery, whatever, people ask me if I'm related to the Kennedys, which I reply, do you think like you're, you're bringing me delivery from like a pita pit in a third story walk up? Do you really think that like I'm on my way to Hyannisport? Like, no, I'm not related to the, to the Boston Kennedys. <laughs> anyway, so in my style of DJing, I try to find a relevant song. And for this one, I chose I'm J-Lo's I'm Real featuring Ja Rule as it is the murder remix. Unfortunately, the only one I had on my computer was uh, the non-explicit version, which is a little like lame and kids boppy, but I must have downloaded it to play at some party that my mother attended. Because as we know, the intro Ja Rule does for the explicit version could be alarming um, at a dinner party. But anyway, I chose this because, you know, I am a big Ja Rule fan. I'm not a big fan of what he did to the to the hip youths, the, the Instagrammers at Fire Festival. But uh, he had some catchy tunes back in the day. And uh, his record label, Murder Inc., 
made me think of this murder mystery dinner, because frankly, if I ever would attend a murder mystery party, I just would want to be listening to a Brad Robin of Ja Rule singles. And the real mystery is what's going to come on next. And we're just enjoying each other's company and having conversations and eating and drinking like normal adults do at parties. Why am I watching these women like in character trying to act in 1920s costumes, figure out the plot line to a fake story. And like, why are we glamorizing murder? Isn't that kind of weird too? A, that there's some sort of glam aspect seen in murder in like the 1920s era, the gangster era, like mobsters, like Chicago has these gang tours. And I'm like, okay, is there a statute of limitations on when stuff is no longer sad? I mean, I, I, I just, I don't really get it. Uh, it's like Adele's Titanic themed birthday party. Like I get that you love, you know, Rose and you wanted to have a theme party that pays homage to your favorite movie. But the problem is when your favorite movie is based on the events of an actual tragedy. Is that weird? I wouldn't like, do people have like Pearl Harbor parties? That's the, it, it seems like, I don't know. I was okay with like most of it, but then like the life jackets felt like a little much to me. No. Anyway, I, uh, I did not have any interest in seeing these women do a murder mystery party. Um, the, 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 here's the thing with Housewives franchises. When you have as many heavy hitters, as many all-stars as the New York franchise does, you don't need bells and whistles. You don't need gimmicks. You just need four walls and booze. And, you know, extra bonus points if you're on an island. You don't need those walls if you're in an indoor, outdoor, large rental home where, you know, the girls have been drinking since 8 a.m. and clearly the sun has gotten the best of them and they are now stabbing in between their fingers with butter knives. I'll I'll forego the walls in that case. But like, I don't know, their personalities are all you need. And like, sure, it's extra if you can throw in a psychic or somebody's pervy dad, like Aviva. uh, I don't know. What else do they like to throw in there? Uh, the morally corrupt Faye Resnick, an uninvited husband like Simon Van Camp. And like, there are things that you can do to shake up a dinner party without having to just do a full on theatrics that have nothing to do with the women themselves, because the interactions are the entertainment. And the entertainment to me is not always rooted in the week's drama. For me, a lot of times the fights are the fast forward material. And the things that are way funnier to me are like Ramona playing with the snow globes or like Dorinda reading the house rules. Like, that was so funny. Her. Her house rules were so unwelcomingly strict and were so direct hits at the women's behavior from previous years. It was uh, imagining somebody doing that in real life. Like it just wouldn't happen. You wouldn't be, uh, I guess you probably wouldn't invite people back. If they rip sconces off your walls like animals, but uh, I don't know. Dor- Dorinda's house rules are stricter than Rob Valletta's uh, tiny Airbnb on Big Bear Lake. I mean, she, you know, walking around with those, with that binder pointing with those talon nails. But anyway, um, I, I just think those parts of the show are way more charming than the fights. Like Carol and Bethany's fight, it's, 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 getting, it's just too hard for me to watch Bethany fight. She goes low. She gaslights. She's, uh, it, 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 she has this, such a darkness in her that gets brought out. And she seem, always seems more lucid and together than the other people. But it's almost worse because she can't be like, oh, sorry, I was blackout. She's like, Oh no, this is just how I talk to human beings. It's it's pretty terrible. And I, I just I feel like I'm watching her just, I don't know. I one time on Insta- Instagram, I tried to uh illustrate what I think represents the the core driving variables of a housewife of their success on the program. And I think it comes down to a simple, crazy likability 
matrix of a plot graph that illustrates what we called what we I I say we so I don't sound lame like I sat down and like really thought this out at like what should I call the Vicky Gunvalson diagonal um, that represents the line you must try to stick to snugly that's a direct diagonal between crazy and likable in order to have longevity on the show you get too crazy but you aren't likable it's this like zone of darkness that happened to Brandy Glanville, Aviva Drescher, uh, Lynn Curtin. Uh, oh, obviously Kim Richards. I, you know, oh, I would also say Kelly Ben Simone is on there. It, it's, it's the place you go to in the bottom right where you, your craziness just isn't charming. It's either disturbing or it's too dark or you have family issues or you take off your prosthetic limb in, uh, you know, a five-star restaurant. There's just, you know, some things that can really pull down your average. And if you have more of those than the likable moments, you're in trouble. I illustrate this with Vicky because the problem is when she hops across this diagonal, she's historically been pretty even. But then obviously when Brooks faked cancer, she was really teetering on, on that danger zone of getting booted. And while I don't think she really did anything likable that pulled her up, she kind of did nothing the past two seasons. And she's always she's such a staple. That, you know, as averages work, the more variables you have to consider, the less the bad scores are going to ultimately weigh you down. Whereas if you're a new character and you, you know, play hopscotch with this line, you're, you're really at risk. I think another great example of this would be, um, well, there's, a, there's also an arena where things are... <laughs> I literally just got an email from my husband that pulled up on as a notification on my phone. And it's him excitedly expressing to me that he just got an email from Cameo that Cameron Eubanks is now available for booking. He likes to get me cameos of reality stars for um, <laughs> for uh, special occasions because, you know, money can't buy you happiness. But my husband getting Carl from Summer House for $20 to wish me luck on something and say less stress, more life, you know, that, that can buy happiness. There's nothing better than watching a reality star cringe saying their catchphrase and being forced to go on off your script because you know it happens like a million times a day. I mean, not for Carl. Nobody books Carl. That's, and we're not like diehard Carl fans, but it, that's why my husband did it because it's like the, uh, the funniest, randomest, most uninteresting side character. Um, but, oh, what I was saying, Rehousewives is like, Obviously, there's like the, the pit of darkness, your, your Taylor Armstrongs and co that just like feel so long gone. But then there's like the cusp where you're a little bit less crazy, but you're mid, mid, medium to low on likability. And if you kind of stay flat in craziness and you don't do anything like that much more interesting or great, but your likability declines, then you're screwed, i.e. Jill Zarin, i.e. Heather Dubrow, i.e. Alexis Bellino, i.e. Siggy i.e. Gretchen Christine, i.e. Alex McCord. These are the people that started out fine and were like medium. So he was probably really liked at first. They were kind of like a medium on the scale. But then Alex and Simon were so crazy season one about like the opera and her dress and appearing, you know, to be socialites and always getting stuck in traffic in Brooklyn and wearing Speedos and going to St. Barth's in the off season, the only time they could afford it and having children named Francois and uh, I, I, I don't know. There's, I mean, Herman Munster shoes. Like Alex was such a great cast member, especially if you rewatch it, you really appreciate her because 
she's vulnerable and honest and she's trying to make it and be someone in this society whereas everyone else just pretends like they've already made it and it gives zero Fs, but Alex could not have given more Fs and that's what we loved about her. Problem is, as seasons went on when she was like over meddling and trying to like start drama and call people out, it just didn't land. It didn't feel like it was her. She was trying to be like strong and independent, but she just seemed really try hard. And, you know, we missed the vulnerability. Um, point being, those types of things don't up your crazy factor. They just lower your likability factor. And if they're not uh, moving proportionate, you can be in trouble because the objective, again, is to ensure safety on your next season. A reality star is allowed to be totally crazy so long as they're, they maintain close to equal likability. And I, I do not believe that goes both ways because you can be super likable, but not that crazy and become a series regular, like an old friend, like a Kyle Richards, um, an LVP. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the, I'd say Rinna's kind of even teetering there. She was crazy with like the glass throwing at Kim Richards and stuff. And she was annoying when she was meddling in that. But like this season when she was hardly trying, she's just kind of a really likable character. So she becomes a staple. So you can be as likable as you want and your crazy, you know, remain static, but you cannot have your likability remain static and your crazy increase is my point. Why am I even talking about this? Sorry. <laughs> it's really important to me to put, you know, all of these shallow thoughts I have into data-driven infographics and uh, concepts so as to really defend myself should anybody ever suggest that my TV watching is superficial because I, I'm not just in it for, for, for the laughs, for the drama. I'm in it for the analytics, quite frankly. Um, I want to do like a whole, I want to uh, do a whole whiteboard thing of that on YouTube because I did it on Instagram, like late at night, kind of as a joke and it's total chicken scratch, but I would, I, more of you guys like the housewives than I even thought and people got really into it. So I don't know, trust me, that, that's my idea of a fun Friday night. Maybe I'll do that this weekend. Um, so yeah, the murder mystery, I don't, it's like even the host ended it early because it was badly run and like to, to end the party, to end the activity in favor of a salad is just, is, is sad. I mean, especially, you know, Dorinda can get into stuff. Dorinda can, can party. And she was just like, so bored by this. Clearly. I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think too, I don't want to go to a mis murder mystery party. So like, why am I spending my free time watching somebody else on TV doing one? Trust me. I love a puzzle, a brain teaser. I love trivia. I love a scavenger. I love an escape room. I love a, a, a complicated series of riddles and clues, each more intricate than the last. I just don't like the acting component that murder mysteries require. And I have trouble immersing myself in firsthand real-time fiction and not feeling like embarrassed, embarrassed or like secondhand embarrassed. Um, but if you like them, cool, great. Maybe I just haven't been to a good one. Invite me to your next one. I will drink all the wine and probably take photos of your house as I received it. So as I leave it, I can prove that I did not do any property damage just like Sonia did. That was so funny. Um, I don't know. I guess at this point, this was this was looked like it was going to be an epic episode, but it wasn't. I think Dorinda like dipping her head in the cake. The next episode is just they're trying to make it a charade. They're trying to make the Berkshires happen, but there's never going to be an episode like December Berkshires County ever again. That that's the kind of stuff you can't plan. And I even though I like Dorinda's Berkshires house, I really don't like her kitschy, tchotchke Christmas decor. She clearly, after Christmas, goes out and buys out the Michaels, the Christmas shop, 
bowed buyer's choice carolers. She she's she's in it to win it. And I love Christmas decorations, but it seemed like she was a little over the top this year, you know? Um, especially for somebody who's so obsessed with nobody touching her things and her valuing her things so much. It's like, well then why do you have such ugly things? That TV? Like that was crazy. Um and Bethany's stupid sweatshirt or sweater. I that what a waste of time because here's the thing about graphic tees, gang. I support a clever graphic tee. I support a pun. The whole point is you wear it and see if anybody notices. You don't walk around calling attention to it and then chastise them when they don't understand the pun, when they, uh, you know, haven't re- recently had the word homies top of mind because, I don't know, it's not 1999. It, it, she, she was acting like homies was this up-to-date slang, like on fleek or AF or, I don't know, something that should be a barometer of your relative coolness. and. I understand that by saying on fleek, which was popular like years ago, I am really outing myself as not being cool. But, uh, and then they're like, what was homies? Like Ramona was like, well, well, I don't know what that is. Where does that come from? And she, uh, and nobody knew. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's homeboys. Right. And to tie all things back to Bella Hadid sneaker video, homeboy's going to get it. And Snome boy, probably too, because clearly the producers really, enjoyed that piece. I did not at all. Uh, I, I basically at this point, I feel like these episodes are an advent calendar for me to just count down the moments to Luann's Christmas Eve arrest. Cause that's when stuff's going to get good. We know Columbia's going to be good. We know the arrest is going to be good. We know the back half of this season's going to anchor the front nine. And I think that the same thing happened last year with that Mexico trip. I, I just, I'm kind of tired of waiting my whole life for like a handful of episodes and not just having a strong season, you know, but as a new, new, new producer of content, I do understand that filler episodes are a necessary evil. You, you can't be brilliant and keep topping yourself every week. It's simply impossible. So I think that's enough with Real Housewives of New York. Basically, I was just annoyed by the format of the episode. <laughs> and there was a couple funny moments that I appreciated and I need more of. And I recently found out that Tinsley Mortimer is from my hometown. She grew up not far from me. Her, her family's money is rooted in like a, a rug dynasty, which is hilarious. As a rug company owner, I often joke about, you know, how lucky my husband is to have married into a rug empire, kind of seeing as like, that's not really a thing and I don't have one, but it's a funny idea to me. But I mean, the, uh, well, her last name, her maiden name isn't Mortimer, but they have serious cash. And even though I do feel, I've, I have trouble understanding the financial situations of trust fund babies because to me, my concern is, isn't that a finite pool? And if you spend irresponsibly, if you live in hotels and put equity toward nothing, you know, where does that make you end up? I, I just, I don't know how much of it's liquid. I don't know if she has a diverse array of investments. I'm sure she has managers that take care of her money, but like, you just assume it's got to be, if uh, it can't be a totally infinite pool, you've got to, I, I don't know, have some discretion as to how you spend it. And clearly Sonia was concerned about Tinsley's, Tinsley's spending, but I don't think I am because she gave $10,000 to Bethany's charity and she orders those cheese and charcuterie platters every night. And those, uh, those room service are going to run you at least $22 just for the platter. And then they charge an 18% service fee. And then they charge like, you know, $5 delivery. And then you feel like you have to tip, especially if you're famous, you don't want to look like an a-hole. So really she's probably getting, you know, 35 to $40 cheese platters. And then, a. $18 glass of Sauvignon Blanc delivered to her every night. And it's an expensive lifestyle on top of all of her like 
Mew Mew dresses. So hoping for the best for her. I think she's cute. I died laughing when she fell on the floor when Scott came to surprise her. She's absolutely no chill and I respect it. I, 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 she just, you can tell she wants to be in love and be married so badly. And I feel for her and I'm sure her life hasn't turned out exactly how she wanted it. And, uh, Scott seems like a really nice guy and I would love to have them here in Chicago and we could be best friends because frankly, we have a lot of parallels. We're both from Richmond, Virginia. We both come from, you know, that FU rug money. <laughs> we both, uh, have hair too long for our age because we're very attached to long blonde curls. Um, we both have very narrow lips and I think she got, uh, some sort of very mild juvederm situation and it does look better. And I am intrigued. I mean, we're basically kindred spirits and, uh, I'm hopeful that I will bump into her downtown sometime and, uh, can pretend like, you know, I, I, I have, I know nothing about her. Then I'll like drop something about Rich. Oh yeah. Sorry. Just got back from watching the flying squirrels game minor league baseball team of my beloved hometown and she'll probably be like oh my gosh stop my dad owns that team and I'll be like no way who's your dad don't never heard of him don't know him don't know exactly the address and didn't just do a google street view of your house growing up and then do a deep dive into your family's history and try to analyze if I think that you're a product of very wealthy detached parents that weren't around a lot and that's why you really crave the attention of uh male love interest and fall on the floor upon seeing them, despite the fact that you were about to fly to see them anyway. So maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. Anywho, the other thing I could definitely use more of is Sonia's moments because the abundance of, of her delusion, it knows no bounds and her and her townhouse or her quote unquote luxury townhouse that is so dated. I, I watching it, I feel like I want to sneeze and the producers are so shady zooming in on her like decaying towel racks and her dirty grout and like a hairball in the corner. It's like, it's like watching a trip advisor, uh, slideshow, you know, when you look up like four star resorts in Mexico that are like all inclusive and they're just littered with photos of like, you know, the, the calcium buildup on the shower head. And you're kind of like, okay, come on. I just, I, I just want to see if the rooms have a view, if they have plush bedding or if it's two twin beds pushed together and if the cocktails are large and blended and elaborate in a way that is Instagram worthy. But, you know, I, meanwhile, you're seeing every spider that, you know, at World Traveler 925224 saw on the resort, which like, can they really help it that they have bugs? I don't know. It's irritating. So more of Sonia, less of Angry Bethany. I don't care about this fight. I don't blame Adam for not wanting to do pro bono photography work. He's a freelancer. I, he might, I, I couldn't afford to take a week off and work and edit and all that for free necessarily. I mean, you just never know where somebody is in life. Like, I mean, would I have taken the opportunity to go with Bethany? Absolutely. But you never know where Carol and Adam were in their relationship or whatever. And they're, yeah, they're, they're nitpicking. What they're trying to say is like, I miss our friendship and we're nitpicking on semantics in an attempt to not feel as hurt and to feel like we can be the one that's more mad or the victim. And, um, it's sad to watch. And Bethany just, she goes too low and I, she's just, I don't know. She, she's, she's in the danger zone guys. I'm saying it. I, 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 I don't know how, if, she, if the pull she has with Bravo can combat the, I don't know, the lack of likability she's displaying and the lack of entry we get into her life. All we ever see is her in construction sites and her talking about her brands and her, you know, fighting with the other girls and being holier than thou. We used to love Bethany because 
she like let us in on her intimate life moments and we really felt like we knew her. But anymore, I just, I really don't know her. I know this caricature of her that she's telling Bravo what they are and are allowed to show about her life because she has such a stronghold on them. And I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we need her anymore. I, for one, am just waiting with bated breath until she is allowed to or will talk about the crazy stuff that went down with Jason. I'm obsessed with learning more about him. He, I really, he did not read as crazy to me on like Bethany ever after and uh, Bethany getting married. I, I honestly thought that, that that was true love and I'm uh, clearly a horrible judge of character and something's gravely wrong with him. I do believe Bethany about that because her pain associated with her divorce seems so much more sincere than the, you know, other times she gets artificially hurt by something. Um, but I, I mean, I know they have a kid and I don't, you know, you don't want someone's father to be on blast, but if he actually is stalking and doing like bordering on criminal activity, uh, the world needs to know you've, you've dragged us through all of this. And I'm, t- I'm so tired of it being vague. I, I need more about her personal life. And Dennis, her boyfriend wearing that, you know, Ronald McDonald Gucci shirt just wasn't enough for me, though I did love Dorinda hitting on him. Okay, I'm going to move on to Southern Charm now. Southern Charm, well, I have to start by saying I just, I have such a girl crush on Chelsea. She didn't, Chelsea, she didn't do much for me last year, um, but she was almost like too chill in one of the guys last year. And I think I've been clear about how I feel with the type of girl that says they only hang out with guys. I think it's a red flag. I think I don't know, being like too cool and too chill can be a bit of an act sometimes. And I've met girls like that and I just feel like they're kind of cold and we could be friends, but they just have in their head that they don't like girls because they're better than girls. But spoiler alert, you are a girl. You can't typecast 50% of the population. You can just acknowledge that if the common denominator of you not liking girls is you, then you are the problem and, you know, move on accordingly. But her and Cameron do seem to be pretty thick as thieves. And I do love Cameron, even though I have also suspected of her being a quote unquote cool cool girl like Erica Jane too, just kind of like sarcastic and quippy and cold when, you know, why not just to be warm and have close gal pals? And I think Cameron too was always kind of mean to Catherine and that bothered me, but I'm so happy people are being nice to Cameron this year. I mean, Catherine, I'm so here for her comeback. I'm so happy for her. I really do feel like she was put in situations during she was put in the most difficult situation, like trying situations a person could go through period, but at a time in her life when she still was needing to like grow and learn and develop and get experience and mature and to have a baby out of wedlock with somebody incredibly verbally abusive and manipulative, like Thomas, who I think set her up for a variety of scenarios. I honestly think he set her up like with drug tests and intentionally tried to manipulate things in his favor to get custody And she just, her enragement was making her lose power in the arguments because we were focused more on her reaction than what she was saying. And I think now it's clear that when she can tone down her reaction, we see that like what's going on around her is much more severe than her, you know, attitude and personality and things that we always wrote off as crazy before. Um, And I clearly she's doing some good therapy. Love her using words like triangulate. It is what he's doing. And He's clearly like in love with her. They have a magnetism. They have a chemistry. He talks about her nonstop. And I d- the problem is, I don't know if he talks about her to drive Ashley crazy, in which case, again, manipulative monster. He wants, he's trying to garner a reaction. But if he isn't, if he does just naturally talk about her that much, it, it's kind of like sweet. I really do think that like they just, they have a love that they just could never make work. And it's better for their kids to not be in that volatile of a situation. But I don't think Ashley will ever measure up to, Catherine and Thomas's eyes, but honestly, I can't even 
remotely speak half, like an ounce of affection toward Thomas because uh, after reading the rape allegations from his nanny, Dawn, it's disturbing. It's disgusting. I, I don't even know how to process it, especially if she continued to work there for two more years, like living in fear. Um, she, the nanny and Catherine hated each other. And I always, it always appeared that she was on Thomas's side, but now I feel confused about the whole thing. And, um, we have to see what happens with that word on the street is that he's being cut from the show as much as possible without impacting the storylines. The flip side of that is in leaving him on the show and Ashley, I think it's showing us how terrible they are. And I don't think it'll do anything good for them. Uh, cutting them from the show almost, I am concerned it brings less attention to how awful he is. I think they could actually edit the show in a way that sheds light on what he's done to people and maybe bring some justice and help people learn how a horrible person behaves. But I guess we don't learn with Jack. So anyway, I, I, I don't know that that's, it's just horrible beyond belief. And I'm looking forward to seeing justice served, especially if Dawn's not the only example, because I think she, she thought it was, she felt like she was able to speak after Thomas's ex-girlfriend came out and, um, It'll be interesting to see what happens because I think in Thomas's case, I mean, yeah, he did go to jail for cocaine that one time, but I think that he is in a position where he has power, he has a name, he can pay off people, he gets charges dropped. Uh, there was that assault thing with that, uh, Catherine's like makeup artist or hairdresser or whatever, and when him like pushing her uh, through a door, remember that? That was weird. And Catherine just got completely blamed for bringing in that girl instead of the girl, if it wasn't true, being blamed for like trying to get attention or maybe, I don't know, Thomas being blamed for potentially doing something wrong. I don't think people just want to like press charges for fun. I really, I just, who would want that energy in life? Um, I mean, granted, who knows? I did, did everything, every circumstance is different, but anyway, uh, Ashley is certifiable. The, it's, it's, it's maddening. It's frustrating. It's so hard to watch. I mean, I guess it's good TV, but the level of anger I feel in wanting to like, just like reach and punch my TV of her saying, you know, I see those kids more than you do. is so disgusting. She's clearly, I mean, she's, I would call her a gold digger, but if I was going to gold dig, I wouldn't go for a, a oh, man in his fifties. who's not even good looking. Who's a former felon who has a ton of baggage and a lengthy televised history of being a monster. I, I, I don't know. I just, I wouldn't gold. If, if I, if you have the ability to absolutely not care about love or attraction, and just have an agenda. I don't know that his agenda is the best one to ride the coattails of. Because, yeah, it's a 15 minutes of reality fame. And I don't know what like that bridge money's like. But uh, I know he's an old name in South Carolina. But to, to, relative to the rest of the world, it's not like Ravenel is Rockefeller. I, so I don't really know what she's going for. I mean, if she really is a fan of the show and wants to be on the show, that is the absolute last character I would go for. Um, but she's the, the, this episode was so bad on so many levels. How many times she brought up wanting a ring, how many times they keep going to Gwen's department store. Like who's going to Gwen's department store. It, it appears to be in like a strip mall in Mount Pleasant. I'm sure it's lovely, but it reminds me kind of of like a specialty department store that is trying to be like a, a, a Barney's or a Bergdorf's like what Todd Chrisley thought they were going to start with Chrisley's in first season of Chrisley knows best before they went bankrupt and pretended like they didn't. And they just really wanted to downsize and be closer to Savannah at college. Um, 
and I, is Madison trying to be on the show? Is Gwen's formally sponsoring Bravo? Uh, I, I I cannot deal with the name dropping product placement of Gwen's. It is it is not an organic fit in the storyline because this is the third time they've been there. Maybe they didn't have enough sponsorships out of Gentry after Gentry Bourbon didn't pay any of their bills because did you guys see JD's like pay, like the paperwork on him? Like he's just like literally never paid rent at like Gentry Salon, the Gentry Hotel, the restaurant, the bourbon. I mean, like, how, how can you just run businesses and pretend to be successful, but literally just be balls deep in debt? It, it really is beyond my comprehension. Um, and he's the worst too. JD, it, there's t- Southern Charm, to use a millennial word, is, is triggering for me, not in a serious sense, but in a sense that like, I grew up with so many interacting with so many Southern wealthy frat star types that only talk to you or pay attention to you. If you're beautiful and thin and also have a name or have money or can do something for them. And I've just been like over, I've had one too many chefs and JDs in my life look past me to see if there's anyone more interesting or hotter at the party that they can ask to, you know, play beer pong with. And then grossly hit on as the night progresses and their polo shirt becomes untucked and they have inexplicable like wet stains all over their shirt and they still have on their sunglasses croaky. I, I that type of guy is just really gets under my skin and I don't want to stereotype. I also do have a, a sig- statistically significant sa- sample size of data and personal experience to apply my anecdote to how a lot of uh, fratty type Southern wealthy dudes who womanize tend to behave. That said, that's kind of why I like Craig. He's from Delaware. He's kind of sweet. I know he's not that together, but I feel for him. Now we're getting to see that Naomi was really hard on him. And Naomi, I, I support her except for her attack on Peyton. I love that she speaks French fluently. It's so sexy. I, you know, I think I love that she is forthcoming about her nose job. I think she's smart. I think she's well-spoken. I think she typically has a pretty good head on her shoulders. And I also think that like her irrational frustration and anger post breakup is perhaps the most relatable thing about her because I love that. It's, it's like funny. I don't think she's completely serious, but she's still hurting. And when she says things like, um, you know, Oh, Peyton likes Craig. I'm going to need the name, phone number and address of her, uh, her family members and all of her relatives. Like, that's like, I, I understand the feeling um, of having a visceral reaction to your ex being with somebody else for the first time. Her attack on Peyton was just like so, almost so crazy. I, I can't even explain it. However, I do love how they bounced back and resolved it and sat down like two women. And Peyton also took this, the apology. That's what's so annoying about these reality shows sometimes is everything is grounded in I'm sorry and in apologies. Like people who won't say sorry, it annoys me because if, if you can defuse the situation, just say you're sorry, even if you don't mean it, like, don't, like, who cares? I, I have no pride whatsoever. I'll say I'm, I say I'm sorry to everyone all the time for absolutely anything. Uh, cause I am, <laughs> I, I, uh, I just, I take no pleasure in somebody feeling wronged by me. I, I, I don't understand that. But anyway, I think Naomi is hard on Craig. I think Craig is really having a hard time finding his place in the world and what he wants to do in life. And the absolute worst thing for somebody in that place is to feel like their passions are being deflated by their significant other. And I understand, I am more of a Craig than a Naomi in that I will try a bunch of different things. I'll change my mind a lot. I'll start projects. I don't finish. I, I, you know, 
I am not like Craig in that I actually, I typically do what I say I'm going to do and I have follow through. Craig hasn't figured out the follow through part yet. Like him not taking the bar, him pretending to be a lawyer, him not going to the office back in the day, like all of that drove me insane. Like that's a level of entitlement and a frustrating lack of work ethic that I can't respect. But I think this season he's so sweet. He has that really, he has like that cute dimply lined smile and he's from Delaware and he doesn't come for money and he's not really like the rest of the guys. And I really do think he wants to find somebody. And um, the way he greeted Nomi and Gizmo at the door, I thought was really sweet. And uh, I mean, he does own two, like one or two bed single family homes in the greater Charleston area. So it's gotta be worth something. I mean, good for him. He's, he's trying. I think that sometimes I understand the perspective of having things in progress that have not yet materialized and then their value it is really hard to explain to other people. There's nothing tangible, but you are actively working towards something every day and until it becomes something. And if you're working on something that has more of a long game, like I don't know if he is with sewing or real estate or whatever, uh, the people around you are just kind of like, what do you do all day? But you, you know you're doing stuff all day. And I understand that. I mean, fingers crossed Craig gets a job at Gwen's. I think that a high-end a boutique department store hybrid in the same parking lot as a Harris Teeter is the absolute perfect place to sell artisan embroidery where when you mess up the embroidery you just put it on the back of the garment so so as to not waste any fabric like you did at Cameron's shower (laughs) the only time this episode I felt bad for Ashley was when they were horseback riding I understood that the other girls wanted to canter and but it it was so kind of I don't know it was kind of rude to be like oh sorry no we have to follow the pace of the slowest most inexperienced person there were and they all already hate her and they're like uh and like of course all those girls like we're equestrians because it's like a rich people hobby um but for the instructor to be like uh are you ready to feel freedom to ashley and suggest that she should be comfortable cantering i'm sorry i would that uh, did you see the episode of full house where michelle fell off the horse and got a brief amnesia if that doesn't scar you for life i don't know what well i am terrified of falling off of a horse of any kind whether i'm on a carousel or you know, riding bareback on the beach. I, it just doesn't interest me. I, cause it's like skiing. If you didn't do it growing up as a kid, if it's not second nature, if you don't have the muscle memory, it's very, the, the danger factor of such a, a sport is alarming as an adult. When you get to an age where you, I don't know, want to like live and not uh, crutches aren't a cute high school accessory that help, you know, get you more attention and people make people carry your backpack. It's more like debilitating and you lose time and money when you can't work and you're posted up on the couch as an adult. And then it's like a lot of pressure to figure out what's your going to be your injury or your surgery binge watch series. Like Greg and I've never watched Game of Thrones. I know it, I'm not really into fantasy, but I gather I would like it anyway. And I'm knock on what I don't want to ever have to have like a surgery. But in the event I did, I'm saving Game of Thrones for me needing to rest for a long period of time. Uh, otherwise, I don't know what I'd watch. I, I, I just... I don't know. I I felt for her. I would not have wanted to canter on my first time on a horse either. And it just further ostracized her. And I'm sure, you know, continued to light her fire about not wanting to be around those girls and have and having to start a scene in which she then tries to pry her way into a child's birthday party, tells the child's mother that she sees the kids more than they do, which is so messed up on so many levels. And you can tell she's just like getting riled up and trying to create a scene. And then Thomas walks away from her because he's a jerk and he supports Catherine and him, him just like placating Ashley all the time and not really responding to her pleas and her request for a ring and an engagement and him just like nodding his head. Like that's a problem. Like 
that that's that's kind of messed up because how how are you supposed to know that you're bidding and they're not you know bidding back or receiving if they're like just lying that they're okay with it if you don't like it say something it's it's very misleading i don't even know why he wants her around he doesn't seem to like her personality just maybe wants the arm candy maybe to make Catherine jealous maybe she meets the idea of the type of person he wants but honestly i think it's pretty clear that she's a little too desperate and thirsty and uh I'm surprised even Patricia can't see that. She is the harshest judge of them all, and frankly, my least favorite character. I think she is every, every, I can't even get into Patricia. I do like her caftans, though, and I would accept one with Tugboat's face on it. Should anybody want to gift me something? My birthday is in September. So yeah, Southern Charm. I'm excited for next week. I'm excited to see what happens with Chelsea and Austin. I really, I kind of wish they would be together. I think Austin's nice, a nice guy, and he clearly, he's not with Victoria because he wants to be. He's in, with Victoria because he... He's like, yeah, you know when you're just like tired of being alone and then you call the last person you dated and you're like, hey, so you want to date, I guess? I don't know. Chelsea doesn't want me anymore, so guess I'm free. It's kind of depressing. And Victoria's like beautiful and I gather she's a doctor or PA or she's in medicine, uh, which is awesome. And I'm interested to see too, like Shep saying he hates Ashley. I don't think I've ever heard Shep say he hates anybody and i don't know why i was like oh, well shep hates her she must really have a character problem not because i'm not like i think shep's is upstanding but he's not mean to people he's a, he's pretty forthcoming he's like i sleep around a lot i have family money i don't really have to work i have no reason to grow up i'm not going to commit to anybody and lie to them it's kind of how i feel about anfisa which i'll talk about shortly from 90 day fiance it's like even if i don't respect your decisions if you're at least honest about them that's better than you know, walking around like a politician and just uh, appeasing people to their own self-destruction. So interested to see what happens next week. Um, 90 Day Fiance, happily ever after. I was on Kate Casey's podcast today. I talked about this uh, briefly with her, and I'll go a little bit more in depth because I don't know, guys. It's it, it's tough. It, this, this show is getting tough. I got into it because of 90 Day Fiance before the 90 Days. That is the best show I've ever seen on TV. Best reality show I've ever seen. Deserves an Emmy. It was incredible. It was about the process leading up to the 90 Day engagement where you would get a K-1 visa and you have 90 days to get married and to get a green card or else you, the person from out of the country has to go home. Happily Ever After chronicles people mostly post-marriage. And it's different because the before the 90 days the 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 spin-off show and the regular show 90 day fiance something about it does feel a, a smidge more hopeful in that if the drama is bad you're like oh well, at least they don't have to get married at least it's not permanent but now when people's lives and children and families are involved it's so much darker and heavier and you almost are like oh this is hard to watch them have made a horrible and semi-permanent decision and them have to deal with the repercussions um, I love this show because my allegiances are always shifting. I'll start feeling badly for the uh, U.S. citizen that's getting used for the green card, but then realize that sometimes the U.S. citizen is the one that, is that the big, that's the big liar and promise them a life that they can't provide only for this person to ultimately up and leave their entire family and their life in their country, no matter how dire the circumstances are there. They, are, they turn out to not be as dire as a fire station turned, you know, storage unit turned apartment you can rent for $1,000 in suburban Louisville. Like, that looks worse than Annie's situation in Thailand. And I, I, I can't believe David thinks he doesn't need to pay rent. I can't believe he feels that entitled to his friend's money, his friend's property. I can't believe it costs the same amount 
to rent a an abandoned firehouse as it does to ship a television to the Dominican Republic. That was educational. Those were two price points I did not know in the prices right of 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 life. Um, I I I I liked the premiere. It was a lot of recapping. I think maybe the show got more popular, so they had to do some more recapping uh, because they wanted people to know more background and some of the older couples like the Powell and Russ, the Anfisa, et cetera. Um, well, I guess I'll just go through them. Powell and Russ, I, they just don't interest me that much. She, she's beautiful, but she's always just wanted this like party life and modeling career that I don't really know what her and Anfisa, who both want to be models, what do they mean by models? Do they mean catalog? Do they mean runway? Do they mean swimsuit? Like what, who's your ideal client type? Who are you trying to, you know, be represented by Ford? Like, I just, I, I, there needs to be like another word for Instagram models because I think that's what they mean. They just want to like sell products and post sexy photos of themselves to get attention because they aren't, they're both in like loveless marriages maybe. And that does not a model make. But I do think that Pow needs to stop dyeing her hair because her hair is thinning. And I do think that Russ needs to cut his hair. He started out so handsome and now he just looks like the, the, the wear and tear of his life in this relationship is taking a toll on him. And he used to make good money. I think he worked in like oil or something in Oklahoma city. And like, yeah, I know Oklahoma city was too boring for pal, but if, if you really came here for love, why should you, I don't know. It's, it's hard to gauge the intentions, but I would argue that they are one of the couples that's probably more in love than the others. Um, then we have uh, David and Annie, who I talked about earlier, I'm, you know, I, I, it's so beyond my understanding why he relies on his friend. It's beyond my understanding why Nikki, the friend's wife, who was like, seems to be like a pretty normal, strong woman, even ever let him loan him any money at all, period, much less just recently cut him off. The pawning of the gold jewelry was truly depressing. It was like, is that like secondhand you know, shame and embarrassment you feel for the people that go into pawn stars and like think they have some amazing historical civil war artifact only to find out it's like an arrowhead that somebody wanted a Chuck E. Cheese. It, it's like I, I, the, the gold, they didn't, they got less than half the value. Who knows what, what carrot gold it is. And they spent all those bots on it in Thailand and it's their only sentimental jewelry. And I don't know, the whole thing just really bummed me out. If he can't scrounge together $1,000, I, I, no one can help him. He's 48. He has a job history. He'd be a barista. Like, go work part-time somewhere. Just get yourself on your feet. I, I, just any self-respecting person would do whatever it took to support their new spouse that absolutely left everything for them. And I'm sorry, but even if you come to America and get citizenship, is this the land of opportunity if you're not setting yourself up to take advantage of any opportunity? Like, if he can't even get a job, what's she going to do? It's, it's all very upsetting. Um, I, I, I really don't know why, what she went through with the marriage, to be honest, especially after the whole water Buffalo fiasco, if, if a dowry is that important and that still is customary in, in Thailand, and he's still like paying off his, uh, water Buffalo loan. I don't know how, I don't know how credit works in terms of animals, livestock. Uh, I just, yeah, whatever. Um, and then moving on, we've got. Well, Molly and Louise, I don't even want to, like, ugh, Molly, Louise, Nicole is on. I, I can't deal with bringing kids into the mix. I can't deal with May calling us on daddy. He won't even call her back. He won't, he, he downloaded an app to cartoonishly make the call cut off as if it was like a television in the 1990s during a thunderstorm. Like, 
FaceTime, WhatsApp, these, these apps, do, those calls do not cancel in that fashion. That was so ridiculous. And she is just so lazy. She's not evolving and it's frustrating to watch. And I want to root for these people. And it's, I think the hard part for Nicole to, is just such a deep rooted self-esteem issue. So, so badly wanting to be loved and so badly wanting this to work. And that hurts my heart. And that's evidenced by her having him in her phone as my world with two hearts around it. It's evidenced in her, her not being able to breathe or function until he calls her back. She has an idea of what she thinks a relationship or two people in love should act like. And she doesn't even realize that the situation she's in is just so far from anything remotely acceptable for a real relationship that it's really upsetting. And it's upsetting that that's going to be the proxy her daughter has for a relationship. And same with, uh, Molly's daughter, Kensley. I think Olivia's fortunately smart enough uh, that she knows better than her mom, who's not defending her children. Um, and like, if you have a mom that names her lingerie store after you, doesn't that kind of just like a weird situation to deal with anyway? Her daughter's name's Olivia and her store's name Livy Ray, which I assume is her daughter's first and middle name. Um, I, I don't know. The, I also, I was convinced that Nicole's friend was hired her name was jessica and i was like oh she's a pa for tlc like i think they are having trouble finding uh nicole friends and then i took a step back and i was like this is a very mean thought i really should not say this especially because i was um writing down my thoughts before going on kate casey's podcast i was like no i don't want to say something that mean i just did that oh she must not have any friends like i can say she's lazy and that she needs to go to her mom's house to be woken up instead of an alarm clock she doesn't vacuum her floor before you know, be on national TV. Like those are judgments I can pass because I, I am witnessing them firsthand. I do not know if she has friends. We do now know that she lives in like free Christian housing, uh, based on an article I saw on the internet this week that she got like some ticket that traced her to an address that looks exactly like where she's staying in this season. That is like just these rooms that used to be a former motel that are owned by the church that I think are offered up for people in situations like being a young single mother, like Nicole. Um, but anyway, I just did a quick Facebook search on Jessica's in Bradenton, Florida. And like the 10th one down was the Jessica from the show. And it looks like she's a realtor. And then I was able to find her Instagram profile. And I also was able to type in her following the name, Nicole on Facebook and Instagram to see if she follows somebody named Nicole. And she does indeed follow Nicole, who is also from Bradenton, Florida. So apparently they are actually friends. And apparently it's not weird that she knew absolutely nothing about their situation and didn't speak more strongly about it. I, she was just so mild. I think any actual friend would be like, what are you doing? You are insane. Like everybody needs a friend like that. And the, the cameras would love it. I, I'm, I'm surprised the producers didn't promote more pushback like Evelyn. Uh, remember Evelyn's friend that was like debatably in love with her, like hated the Spanish fiance. I kind of miss Evelyn. She was one of my favorite characters because her storyline isn't too dark. She was so young and naive. She said there was no such thing as a European dream. And she thinks that being in Claremont, New Hampshire, is like, you know, roaming the streets of Paris in the springtime. She has this haunting singing voice that she shouts from the rooftops on her social media on the show. And it's haunting in not like a cool way, like the zombie or not like the zombie, the cranberries like Dolores O'Riordan. It's not like Evanescence. It's not. It's not anything I can really pinpoint other than that. It haunts my dreams. I don't understand the genre. And uh, she's not like a, a hipster because she's not cool enough to be a hipster, but nothing about her is modern. Like 
something about her seems so old, but not in an ironic way, not in like a vintage classy way. It's just like, I, I, it's in a way that like, she looks like what I would imagine a, a ghost who from the, you know, late 18th century would come in your room and be spinning a loom and wearing like a white gauzy dress and like staring at you. Like she just looks like she's from a different time, but in, in not in like a normal way. Is that mean? I'm sorry. Uh, however, she really was so hard on her fiance, now husband for just like wanting to live in Virginia, which I have to say from experience, it is a lovely place that New Hampshire specifically Claremont, New Hampshire, I'm sure can't hold a candle to because all we saw was a bunch of for lease signs and vacant storefronts in that one Mexican restaurant that they seem to think was just like being on the streets of Barcelona. They're like, you know, wanting to welcome David in town warmly by giving him some of his own culture. So they take him to like the Casa Grande down the street that has giant inflatable sombreros and coronas and is actually Mexican food and not Spanish food. Yet they seem to think that they're doing him a favor and he's back, you know, on Las Ramblas. Though I do have to say Evelyn's dad was smoking hot. <laughs> Greg would get so mad because I would just be like, man, is it just me? Or like, is that man when I'm working? Like, is her dad kind of young? I was like, oh, is her dad like Mumford and Sons? Like he just has this kind of like, I don't know, down home, handsome, not trying too hard, but also polished vibe about him that I can get on board with. I am also really missing Paul and Carini. Paul is famously the guy who took trunks and trunks of items to the Amazon to see a woman he never met. I miss the lock of hair he took. So he would bring his mother with him on the eight day journey that he took a planes and trains and cars and canoes to get to a remote place in the Amazon to bring his new girlfriend, weird teddy bear and clothing for like a 15 year old. And he asked her dad if he could take her to a hotel like the second he got there. And then the way he said STD and pregnancy tests was like so weird. And he, he just doesn't enunciate. And he, I just I miss him saying that I miss him proposing to her in Portuguese because it was his one opportunity to not have to communicate through an app. And all he had to do was Google, will you marry me in Portuguese? Yet he displayed the proposal in English. So then she sees the grand gesture, but then has to experience the grand gesture through app translation. Like, come on, Paul. Ugh, I miss him running off into the swamp and uh, somebody coming after Karini with a machete because she has an iPhone in a dangerous area of the Amazon and her idiot boyfriend just left her stranded. I mean, can you imagine how scared the camera people must have been? I read people saying like, oh, that was so fake. But I listened to an interview with the camera people and they were, or the pr producers and they were like, oh, no, that wasn't fake. That turned out to be like a huge liability. And they were really scared and like rightfully so because they put down the camera and ran. Camera people are taught, like, no matter what, what your journalistic integrity, whatever, like you see babies hurting, children crying, things just absolutely going chaos in front of you. The cameras keep rolling. So that's how you knew they were scared. Um, I just think that the Pauls and the Carinis and the Evelyns and the Andre and being a little controlling with his lipstick wearing a fiance. I, she really did wear a lot of bold lips and I saw her once with a nude lip and I was like, oh, I actually kind of like her with a more natural look, though I support a bold lip wholeheartedly. I just felt like at times she was overcommitting. Um, he was like, I think they'll probably make it. They seem to be in love and they met on vacation and it wasn't like a deliberate online setup. That's what's tricky is when it's a deliberate online setup, you question the intentions. When people like actually meet naturally out in the wild, like Russ and Pow did, it makes sense. Um, 
And uh, anyway, I, I just think that the, the lighter storylines need to be mixed with the heavier ones because I'm tired of invo- involving children in these delusional, abusive, manipulative relationships. And I know I've say it, said this about T-Rav too. And I feel this way about Jax. I, it's hard. I don't want to like over uh, armchair psychologists, these people. But what we're seeing is problematic. What we're seeing is people being lied to and being uh, told one thing but their actions do another and they're actively choosing to overlook it and then have their families money time well-being put at stake in favor of these awful relationships and it's just like it's scary that they can't see it it's scary that there's such low self-esteem involved and it's and just like with Brittany on the Vanderpump Rules finale talking about forgiveness and her mom's the nicest person she knows and forgives everybody and that's the example she uses. So she's choosing to forgive Jax and screw you all if you don't understand it. It's like, I get forgiveness. I get that that's a primary principle of, of your faith. And I believe in forgiveness and redemption. I believe in making it right. I don't believe in ignoring patterns. And I don't believe that your mom's way of living is necessarily the best thing to follow because she hasn't she been married like three or four times? There's, there's a point where forgiving is important and, and it, 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 giving someone grace is important, but there's a point of where you're being walked all over and you're being emotionally abused and you are being a doormat for lack of a better term. And I just, I don't like these women on TV acting like, well, they just don't understand our love. Like, no, we, we see it. We understand it. It's pretty clear. There's, especially in Molly's case for Louise to be like, I wish you were like, would be like this your whole life when Kensley wasn't talking to like try to, shut her eight-year-old sweet daughter up to, to insult her? And I, I, how, how would you just not be absolutely incensed? How would you not just drop, kick him out the door? That I, that's what's a struggle for me. I have no doubt that she loves her children, but the fact that her desire to, her stubbornness to make this work, to not be a divorced person, to give them a stepdad, to feel loved, to have someone in her life, the fact that her self-esteem is at a place where those things are so much more valued than her young child's developing mind and impression of what healthy relationships are like, that is what stresses me out and makes me feel like I can't laugh at the show. Um, did I miss anybody? Oh, I, get, I didn't really get into Anfisa and George and Chantal and Pedro. Chantal and Pedro, they have no chance. The family, I don't like that level of fighting. It stresses me out. It's the same reason I can't watch The Real Housewives of New Jersey before bed because their fights used to just be too loud, too physical, too personal, too interrelate, like their family relationships. And it's one thing if you're strangers, but when it's family, I don't like watching it. The TV thing is just such, such a joke. It's so funny. I so appreciated that scene. What is inside that TV? Why does it have to be that TV? Go on Amazon. Go to a Walmart Black Friday Vizio sale like it's fine you can send them a tv another way but the mom is so awful that she's like uh, pretending to be so caring and protective over him but like all she cares about is money and tvs like i don't get how these people are wired it's so crazy to me um but yeah i don't uh and kate what casey was saying on the show that she thinks chantal had a boob job i remember her boobs always being big but like also i do tend when i'm trying to figure out if something's artificial or not i try to look at the build because I, I'm tall and I, I chestier, but I also have the shoulders and like bone structure. To, like I, I, I have, a, I'm not like big bone, but like, you know what I mean? You have to have a rib cage and shoulders to like support a larger chest that I think is naturally God given. And I just don't think Chantal has load bearing shoulders. And she has this like very tiny rib cage. And I don't think architecturally her body would be made like that. And if it was naturally 
God bless. That's amazing. She's, she's an incredible body. Um, but anyway, not a lot of hope for them. Not a ton of interest in them, if I'm being totally honest. And I'm really not into the things are about to get more stupider because I just I'm concerned about it being overused as a tagline. I don't like that. George and Anfisa, I told you I'd done a 180 on Anfisa. Not that I like her, but just that I think George is really the monster in this case. And for him, he's like A, gained a lot of weight. B, goes with his sister that looks just like Anfisa. They go to alternative divorce solutions <laughs> where the lawyer's like, yeah, so basically the way it works is if you want to peace out on your marriage, I was like, oh, wow, is that official legal jargon? Impressive. Like, what? Run the other direction. Don't spend your money there. I looked up their website to make sure they were a legit company, and they are. And I was like, well, what are alternative divorce solutions? You, you got to get divorced. But then I guess it just it's like mediation, which I understand. But honestly, is, is, does he, is he joking? Does he know his audience? Has he met Anfisa? Does, she, does he really think she's going to mediate? Absolutely not. Um, she... Uh, I, I just, I do feel bad that she was lied to and he's just so not, doesn't have an attractive personality, personality whatsoever. I just get this feeling that he just views women in a certain way and just wanted a hot Russian bride and didn't care and lied until he got one and good for her for pushing back. It does seem like they're together now though. The highlight, however, was definitely Ramon, George's friend. Ramon was way better than Jessica, Nicole's friend, because Ramon was like, diplomatically delivering the most hilarious lines about, well, he, he insinuated that she was a stripper when she is actually a hoe. And I was like, well, I haven't heard the word hoe dropped eloquently in a sentence in a while. And it's just not a term I hear a lot for that vocation. And it's like more of a, song, a, a word I hear in like music more so than everyday chatter. But um, he was so funny trying to pretend like he didn't know for certain that Enfys is a cam girl or has some sort of pornographic internet footprint because he clearly clicked on the link. And the more he said he did not click on the link, he became a parent. He did click on the link. He was like, Oh, are you sure that her, you know, webcam girl name isn't at bring me my red bag with the makeup and she can be found at pornhub.com backslash Russian cam girls? Like he, he was giving like, specific information. It was making me laugh so hard. And, and yeah, I mean, what he was saying made no sense and talking about like oh well a woman scorned is one thing but have you ever seen a man scorned i'm like what that's not a saying no we don't justify anything george is doing like sure she's not uh, a delight most of the time but he's basically by by outing his wife as being like an escort or a cam girl on the reunion a he's implicating himself because he found her there and b that is so gross and disrespectful and terrible and unless it was a a means for them to get on the next season despite being split up i just there's no going back and i don't want them to work it out i i i don't know that she could find better in the u.s like i i, I don't know that anybody would put up with that like she just unfortunately she doesn't have a lot of redeeming or warm or vulnerable moments you know you, you gotta balance it out if you if you're gonna gold dig if you're gonna only care about uh, crop tops and you know pencil skirts and lip injections and chanel bags and your red bag with the makeup and you're gonna like throw down when you get a ford instead of a porsche like i feel like all the other women are just happy to be there but anfisa is just like she expected to be greeted by daddy warbucks when she was greeted by i don't know like rooster hannigan that too specific of an Annie reference. Remember Rooster tried to steal money 
from Oliver Warbucks and like dressed up like Annie's fake father and just like tried to trick her. And so, oh gosh, well, he, he was the worst. Remember when she was like falling off a building? What was that? It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Annie falling off a building. I was going to say it's the Chrysler building, but no, I think that I'm just thinking of Miss Hannigan saying your backsides are going to shine like the top of the Chrysler building. Annie, Annie, the musical. Rooster tries to kill. Oh, right. She like was running away off a bridge. Miss Hannigan decides at the last minute she doesn't want to kill her. Rooster still goes after her and almost catches her. But then like Poonjob punches him. Oof, man, there was some serious love for that girl. And I was I remember feeling relieved that uh, Carol Burnett ultimately did not want to kill Annie, despite her being really gross and wearing like lingerie and writhing around her bathroom in a child's musical about an orphanage. Anyway, guys, I think I should probably wrap it up. Did I go? I think I went over most of 90 Day Fiance. I think I've been talking too long. It's over an hour. Let me know if you like the recap format. I don't know. Here's the thing. Whatever the topic is, I'm going to over ramble. I can't keep these things concise. So uh, I I just don't know if I should err on the side of more content that just kind of fragment my audience and they can listen to what they want or if I combine everything and have it be produced and right and tight. I just I'm testing and learning and let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram at be there in five F-I-V-E. Email me Kate at be there in five dot com buy a doormat and tell me in the order notes, you know, I, I, I'm not picky. <laughs> and as always, you can uh, listen to more bonus episodes on be there, uh, patreon.com slash be there in five, a dollar a month to support me, uh, because I don't have advertisers. I haven't pursued them yet, but you know, that doesn't mean any day now fab fit fun won't be just knocking down my door to unbox a bunch of discounted items that I never wanted in the first place. So anyway, I will leave you you know, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to pick an Annie song because actually, no, I don't want to pick an Annie song. I didn't see the tangent going here, but uh, I, uh, Annie, uh, the, the voices are very, um, like, it's like the radio voice from the 1920s and 30s. It's like, oh, I want it. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, and so even though Tomorrow's a Beautiful Song, I almost, the, the kids' voices bother me. <laughs> Uh, I like the song, Maybe. And I also like thinking about Annie coming to Louisville from Thailand and being like, empty belly lives. <laughs> but I won't do that too. What era? Is that right? Is Am I thinking right that it's like the 1920s, 30s that Annie is set in? Hold on. Sorry. I'm Googling while I'm talking to you. But if you're here anyway, you probably aren't a person that cares about time of podcast. Time period of musical Annie. It is... Oh, gosh, I'm really revealing into lifting the veil on my internet speed here. It's not great. It's in the 1930s. Okay. I didn't know where I was like, wait, could it have been in the 50s? But no. Okay, actually, you know what's so interesting? I was reading an article that's not so interesting, but um, I was I read like an article with Megan's makeup artist, Megan Markle, and they were like, yeah, she was so like laid back before the wedding. We did her hair and makeup. We sat in the room. Her mom was there. Her, uh, dress designer was there. And she just like listened to fifties music and hung out. And I was like, fifties music. Like I, I, even, even when I, not, not that there's anything wrong with that era, but it's just kind of a funny era to choose for your wedding day. I feel like I would need pump up music or I don't know. I mean, my taste in music isn't sophisticated. It's very top 40. 
so where Megan was probably like playing Mr. Sandman, I don't know. I'd be playing like the pussycat dolls. <laughs> I just think it's interesting to have the biggest day of your life and to be getting ready. And you want to listen to. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest. I don't know. I just can't relate. I, I, that song just makes me think of Zoe Deschanel, and I don't even know why. I, it's it's not it's just not something that I'd want as background music on a day when I needed to be like motivated, pumped up, feeling fierce, not worrying about the haters, not worrying about the people like me that are like getting all in a tizzy about tailoring. I uh, and actually that article also told me that her designer was indeed in the room, and clearly that it was roomy for a reason. I, I I don't know anything about fabrics. I guess she needed to give. I just still think the arms are very loose. But anyway, the concept of me being the royal bride and the um, <laughs> the person who does my hair and makeup doing like an exclusive interview, just being like, yeah, she was so relaxed. We, you know, had coffee. We chatted about old times and she was just listening to her favorite music. And then it pans to like a regal setting and. Okay. okay. Yeah. And the headlines would read, Don't ya wish you were a princess like me? You know what? I gotta hand it to the Pussycat Dolls. There's a... Somebody... One of the members came out saying that they were basically like a prostitution ring. I don't know if she meant the one in Vegas or the actual band. No one else has spoken out about it, but that's a major accusation that if it's serious, I hope it's being investigated. I don't know what Robin Anton's deal is. All I remember is Kim Kardashian, now West performing her or like trying to learn her pussycat dolls routine for Vegas in a bathtub on like a back lot. And uh, she had just gotten LASIK surgery. So she couldn't see anything she was doing. And she was like flopping around the tub. It was tough to watch. She is not super coordinated, but as I always say, God is fair. Otherworldly looks, underworldly talent. Everything evens out. I guess I'm just going to keep this song on. Um, because, as I mentioned, they're an important part of my youth and that they made me go through the trials and tribulations of feeling crippling inadequacy in terms of one's just raw beauty, sex appeal and ability to dance and move their body in a way that I just don't think I'll, I'll I just don't think I'll ever see the day. It would be fun to just be one of those like token, super sexy, like confident dancer types. I always say I wish I was a dancer because I think the way they carry themselves, hold their bodies, they their movement is just, I don't know. There, there's there's a, an air and a way a dancer carries themselves that I notice. And I think it makes them more comfortable in their body and their skin and in public and in front of people. And it's an outstanding posture that, you know, I, I hope I hope my kids, you know, want to be ballerinas maybe. I don't know if like I really want them in like modern or jazz or tap or any of the boring ones. I either want like, full-on Maddie Ziegler or a cute ballerina that quits after she's four or I'd consider um, a hip-hop type dancing but then I don't I don't know I've watched enough like Dance Moms and you know Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders making the team to know that how sexual dance moves get very quickly and dance the choreography knows no age apparently and it's alarming at times anyway again digressing I'm gonna go uh, again, please let me know if you like this style of episode so I know what to do more of going forward. 
I hope everybody has a great weekend. I love you. I mean it. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Well, let me get straight to it. A broad won't watch it. When I come through, it's the God Almighty looking all brand new. A shorty want to jump in my Aston Van Jewish. 